we'll see a world that will have fewer pandemics, we'll see a, a planet that's healthier, um, we'll see a future that's more secure, um, where my kids and my kids' kids won't have to worry about the things that we're deeply concerned about now. And for me, that's what this campaign is all about. It's making a significant, do, doing this one thing to make a significant positive change for generations to come. Um, and it's a change that needs to be done and the government need to be held to account. And we need this challenge to set a precedent that can be echoed across the world um, and truly make a difference for animals, people and the planet. Hi everyone, and thanks for taking the time to download this week's show and welcome to Vegan World. Now, on this week's show, I talked to a team from the organization Humane Being. Humane Being are a not-for-profit organization behind the Scrap Factory Farming campaign here in the UK. Now, this is taking the guise of a legal campaign which is challenging the UK government that, if successful, would see an end to factory farming in the United Kingdom. In the panel today, I have founder and director Jane Tredgett. I also speak to David Finney from Campaigns and Political and Robert Gordon from Fundraising and Campaigns, as well as my old friend John Owen, Animal Rights Campaigner, although he's not really that old, but he is a good friend. In the show we talk about what the campaign is made up of, why they're doing what they're doing, how we see the next few months unfolding with the the campaign uh, when it takes its due process through the United Kingdom courts, and hopefully, if successful, what that might lead to. For those of you who've been downloading this show for a number of years, and thank you for that, you probably will have noticed that over the years I've managed to keep this show sponsor free. That's until now. Once in a while, a sponsor comes along with an idea that you just can't say no to. And that's what's happened with the guys at Good Boy Coffee. Good Boy Coffee began in early 2021 with the mission to source and roast some of the best coffees from around the world, all while giving back to our four-legged furry friends. They currently support Bunny Buddies, a charity that rescues dogs from the streets, slaughterhouses and kill shelters of China and South Korea. Good Boy's mission to help dogs is serious and they take their coffee just as seriously. They offer a seasonally roasted selection of specialty coffees from all around the world. Furthermore, they roast to order. This means you can specify a light, medium or dark roast for any of their coffees and have it shipped right to your front door for peak freshness. So, with that in mind, for our US-based listeners, visit goodboycoffeeco.com and use the code VEGANWORLD to receive 20% off your order and enjoy an incredible coffee whilst doing some incredible things. And now, on with today's show. So, Jane, if I can come to you first, um, can you tell me what exactly is the Scrap Factory Farming Campaign? Yes, thanks, Neil, uh, for having us on the show. Um, Yeah, so Scrap Factory Farming is really formed of two key principles. One is a legal challenge on the UK government saying that they are failing to protect the citizens in this country from the risks of factory farming. And then we have the wider aspects of the campaign, which are things like challenging planning objection um, applications, sorry, for factory farms and raising awareness and driving understanding. So those are the kind of key principles behind it. What SCRAP actually stands for is the suffering of feeling animals, the climate chaos that is, is resulting in part 
from animal agriculture, the ravaging of the planet, which is the pollution and damage factory farms create, antibiotic resistance, which the World Health Organization are telling us will, will kill 10 million people by 2050 and is already killing 700,000 people a year from simple infections that we can treat at the moment and won't be able to. And the P is for pandemics. And of course, we're still living through a pandemic which is killing people. I'm just recovering from COVID myself and it's not a pleasant experience, but there's a lot more pandemics potentially brewing on factory farms. And we need to start looking at the root cause of those pandemics and not just looking to vaccination, biosecurity and surveillance to deal with them. Now, this campaign has taken the legs of a legal challenge. Uh, so David, if I could come to you on that just for now, um, who is involved in that and, and what is actually involved in that legal campaign to date and what steps have been taken um, so far? Uh, yeah, sure, Neil. Um, well, uh, I suppose in terms of who, uh, we are very, very uh, honoured and fortunate to have Michael Mansfield QC uh, representing us as our barrister. Uh, if anyone's not sure what Michael's been involved in, uh, he's been in some very high profile cases such as uh, Hillsborough tragedy and Stephen Lawrence attack and, and many others. And um, he is our main barrister and we have a legal firm, um, Hackett and Dabs, behind us as well. And the, the way this was triggered was really a letter we wrote to the government through our solicitors um, last uh, December. And we said factory farming surely has to go and we presented a list of reasons and um, to cut a long story short, uh, the response was um, no, <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, we've got this under control. We, we can uh, allay your fears, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to bring this up to date, a few weeks ago, uh, our legal team submitted a 1,200-page document, uh, which they said was the largest um, legal bundle they'd ever submitted for a case. And that was absolutely packed with reasons why factory farming has to go. I mean, the horrendous treatment of animals was mentioned, the pollution was mentioned and the environmental damage. Aside from that, what we try to point out to the government, and this is, this is coming back to what Jane was saying about protecting the people in the country, is that the risk of future pandemics is heightened by factory farming. And uh, we pointed out to them as, in fact, the government have confirmed 25 cases of avian flu between uh, November last year and March this year on British farms. Um, and when you look at the stats and you hear the World Health Organization saying three out of four, you know, um, diseases are coming from animals and you think of the one billion plus animals, land animals, we are slaughtering in this country for food. It just seems to us like a, a huge risk to human health. And that's before we get into the subject of antibiotic resistance, which is another huge worry for, um, for medical profession and the medical authorities. So um, the situation we are in now, uh, Neil, just to wrap up, is we are waiting for a judge uh, to determine whether our legal bundle it warrants a judicial review. 
and that's the situation we're in now. Um, I believe they've had this for a few weeks and it is up to a judge to say, does this evidence merit a judicial review? If a judicial review goes ahead, uh, that will be the government lawyers and our lawyers discussing and debating in court as to whether factory farming needs to be abolished. Very good. John, if I could turn to you for a second. I mean, you've been an animal rights campaigner for quite some time. Why do you feel the need for this specific campaign? Firstly, I'd just like to say um, thanks for organising this, and I'm proud to be here and also be an ambassador for Scrap Factory Farming Campaign. Um, however, you look at it, um, the exploitation and suffering of animals is killing the planet and it's killing, you know, us. Um, the antibiotic resistance has already been mentioned. Um, we're in the, we are literally probably not out of this current coronavirus pandemic that has just gone around the world. Everything literally can come back to factory farming. You know, we've got the antibiotic resistance, not because we're taking antibiotics, but because animals are being fed in their food, not because they're sick to keep them well because they don't want the animals to get um, poorly. Then we're digesting those when people or the meat eaters, when they, you know, so it's just a knock-on effect. You know, the water shortage, the, the huge rainforest fires and Amazonian rainforest, um, you know, burning, it all comes down to logging. And the parts of that, you know, is because people want to build bigger sort of, what shall I say, um, facilities to be able to keep up with the, the demand for meat. However you look at this, none of this makes sense at all. It really doesn't. We're killing animals we do not need to kill. We're then destroying the planet. Our health is suffering. The ramifications from this literally are just totally absurd. Everyone knows about this now, and there needs to be a spearhead campaign like Scrap Factory Farming, and a precedent needs to be set, which I just hope other countries will follow, because you've got to look through history. SARS, MERS, HIV, Ebola, you know, um, COVID-19, coronavirus, they have all been proven to stem from our exploitation and then ultimate consumption of meat. Meat eating, unless you live in the Arctic wastes or you cannot farm if you're like an Inuit tribe, like I just said, um, or if you live in a rainforest where you cannot grow food, then meat eating in the modernistic world, which probably 95% of the world actually lives within, we do not need it. It's bad for our health, it's bad for the planet, and it's ultimately killing animals. And I will back this, you know, every single time. Sure. Robert, given the context, uh, both legal that David has put down in the introduction, uh, Jane mentioned, and the environmental, uh, the moral uh, background, to it that John has just mentioned. If this campaign actually was successful, what would you like to see personally and in terms of the, the, the campaign itself, what would you like to see factory farming actually replaced with? Yeah, so thank you for having us, as the others have said. Um, what 
we'd like to see factory farming replaced with, unfortunately, through the legal challenge, isn't necessarily relevant because through the challenge, we can't dictate what might replace factory farming if we are to win. Um, we can only identify the issues that others have spoken about. Um, nonetheless, on our website, we have some clearly defined aims. Um, and one of those is that we want the government to support farmers in their transition to a sustainable food system that protects animals, people, and the planet. What exactly that sustainable food system might look like will depend very much on government consultations, feedback from experts. Um, you know, bigger brains than mine are gonna be working hard to ensure that we have a secure and efficient food system um, that we don't have right now, because right now factory farming is threatening our public health with pandemics and antibiotic resistance. It's threatening the security of our environment, which obviously we also depend on for food. Um, and it's, it's harmful to the animals that are confined in these crammed, unhygienic facilities. Um, so what exactly it will look like, it's very difficult to say. Um, but it will certainly, we, we'd, like it, we'd like factory farming to be replaced with a system that farmers can still grow food and feed populations and profit from that. Um, but very much that we don't have the associated risk of pandemics and cruelty to animals. You segue beautifully onto my next point there, Robert. It's, uh, it's amazing how that happened. <laughs> Jane, now, if this was actually successful, then what isn't, isn't it fair to say that this would impact the livelihoods of farmers um, in a financial way? And what, what steps can be taken uh, to compensate them if, if indeed it is to their detriment? Yeah, I mean, we've absolutely got nothing against farmers at all. And at the moment, in well, in 2019, 2020, the average subsidy that a farmer got from the government was £28,000. And that was across the board of all the farms. Um, so we would be looking for those subsidies to be transferred to a sustainable food system and to support the farmers going forward. So it wouldn't be a different process to, to what we have now. The figures might need to be different and there may need to be more support given. The government currently provides subsidies of about three billion pounds altogether. So I talked about the average being 28,000 per farm, but that adds up to three billion pounds of financial support. And if that's directed to the right food systems, that's a significant amount of help and we would want to see that continue to help the farmers move from what they're doing now to the future for farming that will protect people, animals and the planet. So we absolutely are saying that farmers must be protected in this. This is a system that has developed over decades and can't just be simply unraveled without giving that necessary support. And the other aspect to that is we're very clear in the demands that Robert talked about on the website that we don't want the products that are produced at the moment in the UK to be replaced by imports from other countries. We want a move to a sustainable food system that protects us all. And, you know, so it isn't just replacing with something different coming in from another country. Sure. John, when you were speaking a minute ago or two there, you, you mentioned the World Health Organization, amongst others. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was around about 2016 or thereabouts. There was a report published by the WHO 
stating that roughly around about 70% of the land on planet Earth is used unbelievably um, for farm-raised animals. And that, that only equates to 10% of all meat production globally. Now, considering meat products, the, the meat products that come from intensive factory farming account for the rest of the, the 90% of all the production. Where would these animals go? And where, how could they be accommodated on the planet? The fact is, these animals that you speak about, Neil, no one actually sees them. Um, what it is, is they are kept in facilities. Um, you know, they are bred as products. They're not actually viewed as animals. Um, and the cattle that you see in the field, I don't see that that would change anyway. What it is, is where these facilities are being raised to sort of house, you know, you've got... The numbers are just astronomical, and it's just so cruel. You've got places being built constantly. You know, they're now building, I think it's China or Japan. You know, they're building basically tower blocks that are just concrete blocks, like similar to what, you know, you would house people in, but they're using those as facilities to keep pigs in. You know, no one's going to see them. Those pigs are never going to tread on the ground. They're never going to see the light of day. And these are literally to keep up with the demand for meat. You've got the same. You've got huge, you know, great warehouse facilities again that chickens are being, you know, bred into. And that's their life. You know, it's just so wrong. So I don't see if we can stop these facilities there will always be, it's like people often say, oh, but the animals will just, you know, go extinct. Well, they won't because over in this country, um, I'm not going to say for every country, but we don't eat donkeys, but yet you still see donkeys. We don't eat dogs over here. We're not short of those. We just need to stop the pollution and the contamination and the pandemics that comes around from having these huge, vast places that are just taking up so much space. And people don't see the animals anyway. The ones that are about, we would still carry on seeing. Robert, you're one of the younger members of the campaign. You, you, don't, well, you don't mind me uh, pointing that out to the listeners. Um, <laughs> for future generations, what do you think the world is going to be like if, if, for example, this campaign is successful, not only in the UK, but in other countries around the world? Sorry, as you say, I'm 25 and I'm involved in this campaign because I am concerned, like many others, for my future. Um, and I think building on what John was saying on a surface level, the future won't look too different. We don't see these facilities where these animals, millions of them, are kept indoors in horrifying, cramped, unhygienic conditions. Um, so if we were to scrap factory farming, not much would change on a surface level, on a visual level. But at a deeper level, we'll see a world that will have fewer pandemics. We'll see a, a planet that's healthier. Um, we'll see a future that's more secure, um, where my kids and my kids' kids won't have to worry about the things that we're deeply concerned about now. And for me, that's what this campaign is all about. It's making this significant, do, doing this one thing to make a significant positive change for generations to come. Um, and it's a change that needs to be done and the government need to be held to account. And we need this challenge to set a precedent that can be echoed across the world um, and truly make a difference for animals, people, and the planet. 
This next question has two parts. The first of which I'm going to ask to Jane, if I could please. So Jane, is this campaign itself, is this UK specific or are you aware or do you know of any other plans uh, globally uh, to have similar campaigns around the world? So our specific legal challenge is aimed at DEFRA, uh, which is all we can do in terms of our jurisdiction. We have no ability to challenge any of the governments across the world in terms of the legal system. However, what we are hoping is that it will be a catalyst for other organisations to do the same in their own countries. And we've actually already got three countries who are talking to us about possibilities of doing something in their own countries. So that's really one of the outcomes we absolutely wanted to get from this, whether we fail or succeed in court, was for it to be a catalyst to put a light on the practices of factory farming and the risks that they bring so that we can start moving forward and driving change. And one of the other outcomes that we very much want in terms of a global perspective is there's lots of people out there campaigning against factory farming, a lot of experts speaking out about the science, but they're not connected up. And that's one of the other goals that we'd like to achieve is to form a network of people who have all this knowledge and information about factory farming and really start to share that. The second part that I was going to, or I'm coming to, sorry, um, was prompted from looking at the Scrap Factory Farming webpage. Um, and in that, one of the things that you guys cite is about Brexit, whether you're for it or against it, um, the fact of the matter is it's here um, and we're living with it. But one of the consequences of that is that the UK government is free, in inverted commas, to make its own laws um, without um, any input from Brussels or the wider European Union. Um, is there a likelihood, or is it fair to say, that it, um, if we scrap factory farming in the UK, there's a possibility that the government, and in particular this government, could just flood the market with cheap imports from abroad, particularly with the US? David, I'd come to you with that. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. Um, that is a risk, and it's one we have thought over, along with many, many other risks that we've we've looked at. And um, certainly we've made it very clear in our campaign that factory farming mustn't be replaced with imported factory farming. So for us, scrap factory farming in this country means no factory farming, whether it's whether the animals are here or whether the food is imported from other places. So absolutely, there's, there would be absolutely no point, as you say, it could end up even worse. Um, yeah. So last question, guys, we're almost out of time. This is, can I just um, can I just add, add something in, if that's all right, before your last question, Neil? Certainly, fire away, mate. For anyone that doesn't know, factory farming, and this is in the UK, was set up in 1947 because after the Second World War and in 1947, we were still having rationing. Factory farming was set up, like I say, 1947 to help that. Now, since then human health has declined, more pandemics have come around, and more animals are being killed by the UK than ever before. You know, it has no place in this world. And for anyone that is conscious and compassionate and cares about the planet, cares about animals, and cares about human health, they really do need to think about what they are condoning and supporting each time they buy 
you know, um, meat, basically. It has no place in this world at all, and it really is the cancer upon this earth. And that's why everybody with an ounce of acumen really needs to get behind the scrap factory farming campaign. 74 years now, this has been a blight on our planet, where in the UK from the um, factory farming, and it needs to end. It's that simple. Sure. Unbelievably, we're almost out of time, guys. This is um, absolutely flown by. Um, I can't believe how quickly this is going. I thought this would take longer. But um, if I could just conclude with one last question, and either David or Robert, uh, whichever you guys would like to take either or part of it, um, what are the next steps for the campaign and how can anybody either listening to this or who becomes aware of your campaign and, and the media and social media, how can they get involved and how can they help? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, thanks, Neil, um, for your support in this and your interest in it. I mean, we, we have, as you say, we have a, um, a website, scrapfactoryfarming.org, and on there there's various information and there's ways that, that people can get involved. And the next steps for us is, at the moment, we are playing a bit of a waiting game, um, but we are constantly, as Jane was saying earlier, uh, interacting with people all over this country and all over the world. So if anyone wants to get involved, uh, they can please contact us via the website. Uh, we have been bowled over with the financial contributions to our legal case. It's been absolutely incredible. Uh, where we still need a little bit more. So if you can spare um, um, something to help us, there's a donate page on the website. So the legal fees, just to explain to anyone who's listening, uh, our legal team have slashed their prices for us, but you know people still need to put food on the table for their children. So uh, we have been working hard to raise money for that. So on the Scrap Factory Farming website, uh, you'll see uh, donate buttons if you want to help. And however small, we so appreciate it. I think, um, and it, this is a little bit from what John was saying, well, it's really for everyone to get behind it and to see that what we're trying to do is to help everyone it is about animals people and planet so just sharing our stuff on social media telling friends and work colleagues about what we're doing is super helpful in itself that's fantastic guys um i think wherever you stand on this debate or your people are coming to it new um i think it's one of the more interesting legal challenges um that we've heard of in, re in recent times or even in the medium term. So from Vegan World's perspective, we keep the listenership up to date with how things progress and I wish you guys every success for the future. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.